Hello, this is Brendan O'Shea. Welcome to this exclusive interview from my archives. For a deeper dive into my interviews and features, please explore tall-poppies.com. That's tall-poppies.com. I appreciate your interest and hope you enjoy the content. Today we meet the author Azar Nafisi. Literature always brings you back to life, you know, and, and, and it opens your senses and it opens your feelings. And that is how um, you need to re-experience the world. Azar Nafisi was born in Tehran in 1956. She was mainly educated abroad and at 13 attended school in England before going to study in the U.S., where she received a doctorate from the University of Oklahoma. In 1979, the year of the Islamic Revolution, she returned to Iran, hopeful, after being away for 17 years. There she worked as a lecturer in English literature at the University of Tehran. In her international bestseller titled Reading Lolita in Tehran, she describes Iran's transformation into a religious fundamentalist dictatorship. Gradually, public life becomes regimented down to the smallest things and personal freedom is suppressed. Nafisi was banned from teaching in 1981 when she refused to wear the Islamic veil at lectures. She began to work again only six years later, this time at the University of Alameh Tabatabai. Nafisi resigned from this position in 1995 but secretly carried on teaching by setting up a reading group in which she discussed Western literature with seven selected female students in her own home. Among the works that she chose to teach were books by Fitzgerald, James and Austen, all of which were being judged harshly by Iranian authorities for being decadent and were eventually being banned completely or almost impossible to obtain. In 1997, Nafisi emigrated with her family to the USA. There she's published essays and written for newspapers such as the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal. Her book, Reading Lolita in Tehran, has been translated into more than 30 languages and was enthusiastically received by readers and critics alike. Well, when I met author Azar Nafisi, I asked her firstly if she'd been surprised by the universal success of her book. First of all, I'm very pessimistic about my own work. So I always think that, oh, I, 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 my editor used to make fun of me. I kept telling her it won't sell one copy because a lot of people were saying, why are you writing about Fitzgerald and Nabokov? Who would be reading that? You know, um, you never know what your book is like a child, your child. You don't know what it, what the child brings back home to you, how they grow up, what they do. Nonetheless, the surprise of it all, you're meeting your child here again in Berlin in a translation and obviously also crossing all sorts of borders to women here from on various parts of this country, in particular East and West. I noticed this evening there were a couple of people who were talking about how much that did, a couple of women who were talking about how much this book meant to them as Eastern Germans. 
Yes, well, um, you'd be amazed um, how much, well, um, the experience of Eastern Germany and Eastern Europe has had an effect in Iran. Um, that's why I was mentioning um, uh, in the uh, meeting uh, that many of the writers and, and many of the people from the dissent movement in, the, um, in both Eastern Germany and Eastern Europe as a whole um, are, are, are translated. People love them. People read them. People talk about them. Um, people all over the world have had the experiences of the worst and the best. You know, so we all share the worst and the best, I think. Um, I also have so much empathy. I mean, for this city, this amazing city, you know, we took a five-hour tour around Berlin and layers of history, you know. Um, it makes you very humble. You know. Nonetheless, it's also a story of, of literature, isn't it? And the power of literature. Definitely. I, I, I think that we make a mistake, and this is a mistake I keep saying being made in the West, when we think that literature is marginal or you escape from reality to literature. Literature always brings you back to life, you know, and, and, and it opens your senses and it opens your feelings. And that is how um, you need to re-experience the world. Uh, you know... Because I'm in Germany, I keep thinking about the associations with Germany. Um, my first experiences of this city were through reading um, people like Christopher Escher Isherwood's Berlin stories. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was through... I remember that one of my favorite books was um, Grimmelhausen's Simplicimus, uh, you know. And, 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 and you know, uh, I mentioned Heinrich Böll to another different extent um, or you know, on a different level. I don't know, um, Gunther Grass. All of these people were the ones who mean Germany to us, uh, which is very different from the Germany of the politicians or, you know, the Germany we read about uh, in the papers. I was hoping that this is how people will react to Iran, through, through the best that its culture represents, um, rather than through the worst, you know. You mentioned Heinrich Böll and you mentioned the clown and you mentioned memories. Oh, yeah. Iran, of course, is becoming a memory for you because you haven't been for a long time. Does that change as the years go by? Well, you know, I think that that is why you write. Um, I remember um, this um, wonderful, actually, Eastern European thinker, uh, Todorov, Zavan uh, Todorov, um, in his book, The Moral Extremes, he says, only total oblivion demands total despair. Um, that is why we, we have art, um, in order to remember. Uh, I think art is a resistance, not just against the tyranny of politics. It is a resistance against tyranny of time, because every moment we're dying. And, and the only way you can preserve it uh, is, is through, through um, uh, preserving it through telling the story. You know, so that is how literature is basic to our lives, uh, you know, in an existential manner, not just political. It's, of course, also a reflection of the times, and we live in a rather troubled time in many ways. Yes, and we live in a time which tends to forget. Um, we, and that is why Heinrich Böll's um, The Clown was so poignant um, for me, because, you know, he destroys himself because people are forgetting you know, and, and, and he becomes a memorial. Um, the, the narrator in that novel becomes a memorial to memory, you know. Um, and, and, and also, um, it is only through memory that you can rejoin. I remember Primo Levi um, talks about when he left the concentration camps. He says, I write in order to join the community of mankind, uh, you know. And we live in times where... Uh, 
sound bites, um, very, very superficial talking heads. Um, politicians have taken the place of thought and reflection and imagination. Um, that is what worries me about the West. It's not just terrorists from outside. Uh, it is the strangers within ourselves who have forgotten um, that, that, that I think become a threat. You know. I worry about the artists who give me political answers and the corruption of artists in this day and age. Is that something that we should be concerned about? Oh, well, I'm very much concerned about You know, I think that art can be subversive when it's true to itself. Because by nature, fiction is democratic. Um, um, if an artist is at the handmade, uh, a servant to politics, then he loses that uh, democracy of voices. Um, remember that the Russian critic Bakhtin was talking about how novel is polyphonic. Uh, a great novelist has to give voice to even the people he hates. You know, and, and, and when you lose that ability, when you become a servant to your political agenda, um, a servant to the moment, um, then you lose the ability to be subversive. So I think that bad novelists always have a moral lesson or a political lesson. And all they teach us is how, how dictatorial they are because they stifle um, and, and they don't respect the reader. You allow the reader to come to a decision rather than making the reader's decision for them. Um, it is a style of living. It's an attitude, uh, you know, and, and I, I think we should fight against that very seriously. You're in a very good position to fight against that because you're teaching young people. You're a, a professor, of course, and I'm wondering, these young people, this dream that you fulfilled, were, was such an important thing for you that, and such a perfect sort of memory in many ways. How does that compare with the people that you teach in the United States today? Well, it is also like Eastern Europe. I remember um, when we talked about Eastern Europe, we talked about how dangerous jazz becomes or rock and roll or how potent literature becomes. Well, my students, I mean, it was amazing. You give a talk about Flaubert and um, there's a crowd as if they've come to hear, um, uh, I don't know, Bon Jovi or, <laughs> or, or a rock star. So that enthusiasm and that hunger, um, well, doesn't exist, obviously. One thing that I appreciate uh, about my students in America um, is that they are not scared of authority. My students in Iran, even my authority, which I tried not to have, they still looked at me as an authority figure. There were silences. They were self-censorship. But in the state, they can question me all the time, you know, and, and they're free to talk about themselves. Uh, they're not scared. The majority, I mean, you know. So that freedom, I very much... Um, appreciate you know I think that a bruised culture um, then loses its tongue loses its ability to articulate itself which is the problem with mine yet some of these young Americans could end up being soldiers fighting in a country very near to your homeland I know, I know. Um, I cannot begin to think of the tragedy of, of the Iraq war. Of course, every war is, uh, has its own particular tragedy, you know. Um, for me, it was very painful because not just as an Iranian um, whose uh, neighbors and city and country was bombed by Saddam, but because of what he did to his own people, I hated him. But 
I knew that um, this was wrong, that, that uh, this war would not only not bring democracy to Iraq, it will take away many possibilities from the people in my own country and, and, and in the region, and it will make many people skeptical about um, practice of democracy, you know. So we have to learn some lesson from that war. But I worry that people would not support democracy because of what happened in Iraq. I hope that um, they would not do that, you know. But um, that war is... um, We will will be talking about it decades from now, uh, Mm. about what happened and how tragic it is, you know. This is Brendan O'Shea. For a deeper dive into my interviews and features, please explore tall-poppies.com. That's tall-poppies.com. I appreciate your interest and hope you enjoy the content.